is your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers. And now keeping himself with Martinez, five. He is going to be in. Touchdown. Adrian Martinez off the right edge. Runs in from 15 yards out. Tie of the game. This is the KLIN Husker Hour, giving you an inside look at everything going on in Husker Nation. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Three sets one over the Florida Gators. Now. Shoots the three. Got it. Isaiah Roby nails it from three-point land. And a good time was had by all. Good Saturday morning. Caleb Henry in studio. This is the KLIN Husker Hour NFL Draft Weekend. We're to day three. Still no Huskers off the board yet. That and more to come up on the show this hour here on 1400 KLIN. Cole Stukenholtz on his way. He'll be joining us shortly. We'll get into that. A couple of transfers away from Nebraska programs, both basketball and volleyball. One of them a little bit more unexpected than the other. And, you know, for when, when we look at Nebraska basketball, and we'll talk with this when Cole gets in as well, Two scholarships now open for Coach Hoiberg. And actually, another one of the departures that happened after we talked last week was Charlie Easley, who who had the scholarship for this past spring semester, was going to be a walk-on here in the uh, this next season. He's got a scholarship opportunity up at South Dakota State. So that's a pseudo-scholarship departure, although... Playing time, you'd expect to have been limited coming up this next season, but that was one that he earned that scholarship, not just through his hard work, but there was a scholarship open for that spring semester. You have to wonder, with two open, if one of those might have fallen to him there. And NFL draft were through three rounds. Joe Burrow went number one, former Nebraska quarterback Zach Taylor, coach of the Bengals. He'll get a work there, and if you didn't know, Trey Wingo reminded us numerous times that Joe Burrow wanted to go to Nebraska, and Nebraska said no, if you hadn't heard that yet. Um, also, yesterday on Road to Recovery, I talked with UNMC Dr. Chris Cradiville, who is chairing the UNMC, or he's, it's UNMC Dr. Chris Cradiville, he's chairing the Big Ten's Task Force for Emerging Infectious Diseases. Sounds complicated. It is as well, but he's chairing it. They just started this in early March. Got some sound from him there, and and we'll we'll get into that. But when I talked with him, what they're doing is really working on a return to sports, and they're they're working in an advisory role on how to return to sports. It's just another way that UNMC, a resource right here in the state of Nebraska, not only helping with the COVID nineteen pandemic as a whole on how we can all get back to normal, everyday lives, but also how we can get a return to sports. Because obviously here in in Husker Hour, our big concern is how do we return to sports? Um, So we've got some sound from from Dr. Cradiville we will probably get into a little bit later. One of my big takeaways is that they're learning just as much every day as we are, although the doctors and those really paying attention to it learned a lot more about COVID-19 back in December. And for those of us, like Cole, we, we've been learning about COVID-19 
more so over the last month and a half. Not not exactly four months like a lot of the doctors have. So when when we hear from Dr. Cradiville, my big takeaway is they're still learning a bunch, but there is a task force and there are people having the conversations on how we do return to sports, which is, you know, hopeful to hear for me at least. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail, right? So at least they have a plan. And good Saturday morning. Water heater's leaking. That's great. No, you're doing great. It's always good when you hear the open at 40th and A. <laughs> it's like, nope, I'm supposed to be in the studio right now. Um, so hey, everybody. Um, yeah, the, 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 the way the Big Ten has set this up, I think, is indicative of what you're going to see from uh, other conferences across college football, especially the major conferences that can set things like this up. I still wonder if that's how it's going to be the whole way, like before you get back to football, or if the NCAA is going to put together some sort of centralized decision-making process that will then apply to everybody. I don't even know if they can do that for football because football is more independent than every other college sport. And we've talked about this before, that they need to kind of have, a whether it's a czar, we talked about the czar, yeah. um, but... There has to be some kind of overarching who's in charge you think so. of C- Division One college football. And right now there's not, and that's why it's a conference-by-conference issue. Yeah, you'd think that that would be the first thing that, that would get set up, and maybe it, maybe it eventually will. But in, in, in lieu of that, at least the Big Ten is taking this step. And again, in lieu of that, hopefully other conferences decide to do the same because if other conferences are farther behind in terms of what they know, what the, and the Big Ten can share this information too as well, but if they're behind in terms of how they are planning on figuring out, okay, what are we going to do about people being X amount of feet together? Are we going to space seats out? Are we going to be able to test everybody who comes in the building and find out within you know a couple of minutes whether or not they're uh, they're they're positive or negative. Like, how much of this stuff are we going to want to do? Have to do? Uh, are they exploring playing with nobody in the stands? That's a possibility too. Um, I don't think they want that because it's where the money's at, yeah. the ticket revenue. But it's it's a good thing that they're having those conversations. And and as you mentioned, it's it's good to see Nebraska leading on that. And I did ask Doctor Cradaville how much conversation they're having with the NCAA and other conferences. So that, that'll be something we yeah, can get awesome. into uh, a little bit later. One of the things I didn't mention, Cole, and I know this has you extremely excited, rule changes on the horizon for NCAA football, talking about the real-life sport, but also the video game, possibly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. As, uh, as somebody who... Uh... Still dabbles in NCAA 14 on the PS3. I'm Besides the very spring game last Saturday. Well, yeah, <laughs> that was uh, that was something. What 60 to 57? Correct. Is Over the, 1300 the yards of total offense. Yeah, I mean, when you play 15 minute quarters, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I can put 60 up in five minute quarters. Yeah. So 15 minute quarters that makes it pretty ridiculous. But um, yeah, it, it, there's there's a lot of encouraging signs and. Um, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself because who knows when that would actually be able to come to pass, getting back to an NCAA football video game. But the signs are there that the NCAA is like, all right, look, this is happening. 
Let's not be a roadblock to it anymore. Let's just go ahead and figure out the best way to do it. And I'm glad they are figuring that out. They had to get pushed quite a bit to get there because it's the NCAA. The states forced their hand. Absolutely, they did. And and it's a good thing that they did. And had they not, we wouldn't be near as close as we are to potentially getting you know, revenue opportunities for student-athletes outside of the restrictive definition of what a student athlete is quote unquote so so those video games and the, the way it would work as they talk about the name image and likeness yeah. um students and right now there are so many different proposals on it they we we have to wait until things are finalized to really dive into what they could be um as of right now a couple of things i've heard is that students could essentially make a deal with someone who's a booster for the school they could make deals nebraska's an adidas school but they could make a deal with nike um, you, you have those types of things and that all of that still needs to get worked out and fleshed out when, before we get to a final product. But the part about the video games, the ones that, you know, we grew up on particularly NCAA football, but there was also college basketball games as well. And you would have to think that now with how, how well done MLB, the show is, you'd have the chance to get college baseball in there. Which they did once in the mid 2000s. Yeah, just did not go over great. But you you'd get it be Cal State Fullerton. Like yeah. the the schools that it, it's fun in NCAA football to be that small school back when Boise was the small school and you yeah. could go play as them or you could go play as UConn and make a run. But the big part about all of that, that would be a collective. That wouldn't just be individual players saying, yeah. I'll take this much, I'll make this deal. That would be a collective deal yep. that would have to be made. Yeah, and and that's that's what got him in trouble in the first place is there was a big collective legal action led by Ed O'Bannon and then Sam former Keller. Nebraska quarterback Sam Keller. And so, yeah, it, that that is you know certainly more of a group deal where – you have a lot more folks who are going to be involved in in getting a piece of that, um, and you you could have a separate deal for the guy that makes the cover if that cover athlete is still playing. Um, you've had more underclassmen recently become you know stars as freshmen or sophomores, and they're still I like that. I had they're still in college, so you could have a um, you know Adrian Martinez has a great freshman year like he did, and he's got all that hype. Maybe he is in negotiations and gets a deal done to be the, the cover athlete. Yeah, I mean, um, if, we, know, if we look whatever at whatever it is, if we look at this last year, if they would have had an NCAA football game for this past year, yeah. you have to look at the 2018 season, mm-hmm. probably guys coming back. Um, I know Joe Burrow was the guy this last year, but nobody, nobody really expected that. So it probably would have been Clemson's quarterback. Yeah. Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence probably would have been or the Tua. Yeah, yeah. Either of those two guys were still in college last year. Two, two yeah. is out now, and, and Lawrence is still there. But both of them could have theoretically had that deal to profit from being the cover athlete on their own, while the rest of the NCAA student athletes still got a piece. Got, yeah, got their share for it, and that I would have like no problem with that because you're you're saying who's who's the big prospect that's coming back? Maybe this is a way that that prospect does come back for another year if they were. A draft eligible, but yeah. they have a year of eligibility left. Yeah, that could be. And there's yeah, there's there's a lot of of different ways. Especially, to... I think about that on the basketball level too. Yeah. Now, is there a big difference between going number seven in the NBA draft and probably what you get paid as the cover athlete of NCAA basketball 2022? Yeah, yeah. but is there something that's kind of a 
that would at least be a little enticing. Yeah. While while you have maybe other deals. Yeah, you got to think about that part as well cuz I'll tell you what, college basketball is better when the best players possible are there. Yeah, I mean even if you don't have, you know, a ridiculous sum, like it's not a huge windfall for a player. That's not necessarily the point. The point is the game is being marketed around the players. And if you aren't if those players who are, you know, part of the reason why the game is being sold as widely as it is and those players aren't actually being able to profit from it, like it's not legal for them to do it, um, it just doesn't seem it doesn't seem equitable. So uh, it's it's a good direction that everything's going in. Again, the NCAA had their hand forced, and, and I'm glad they did. And I, I, we can we can probably I, I do want to get your thoughts on the Last Dance, the Michael Jordan documentary, which had episodes one and two last Sunday. They'll have episodes three and four tomorrow. But when I think about those, my favorite those thirty for thirty documentaries, my favorite ones for that are the basketball documentaries, Requiem for a, for the Big East. Um, you've got the the one on uh, some some Tennessee players, and you've got obviously Jimmy Valvano and, and the the NC State run. When when you look at those are my favorite ones because they're basketball. But why are those such good documentaries? Because you have teams, those old Big East teams. Guys were there for three and four years mm-hmm. because there there was like that was just what you did. You were there for three and four years. There wasn't really the option to go to the NBA. As early, Michael Jordan played three years of college. We have an NCAA championship game of Jordan and Patrick Ewing. Yeah. So the, you you don't really get those things. Now you have the star freshman. If there's a way, and this is where it's going for them to stick around. Because right now, incoming freshmen are choosing the G League to go be part of that development rather than go play one year in college. Yeah, and, and if you were wondering... You know, uh, all the different forces that are maybe coming together to help with bringing NCAA football back to the video game world. Uh, I don't know that a lot of folks would have thought that the NBA would be a leading player in that. Uh, But here we are because their G League plan to let these guys come straight out of high school and play in the G League and get paid. Not a lot, but a little. Certainly more than playing at Kentucky or Duke. Um, The NBA. Helping out all of us waiting for NCAA football 2022. Good for you, NBA. Yeah. Um, so we're going to go ahead and hit our first break. We've got uh, a lot more to get into. The NFL draft going on. As, as I said, there were a couple departures from Nebraska basketball, Nebraska volleyball. Uh, still sound from Dr. Chris Cradiville. And you know what? Maybe we'll talk a little bit about that spring game from last Saturday as well. It's KLIN Husker Hour, 915 on KLIN. Talking with current and former Huskers and those who cover the Big Red. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1400 KLIN. <laughs> Caleb's tall, for those of you that aren't aware. Um, I just had to lower the mic about two feet. Um <laughs> By the way, allergies are uh, just about as fun as a leaky, uh, a leaky water heater. On well, a it's, it's just a leaky face, is what it is. Goodness. Um, so let's get into some of these NCAA football rules changes. Uh, this is uh, this is something that was kind of exciting. Uh, because can I give my favorite one off the top? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it. So my absolute favorite one right away, and it. I mean, this leads a lot into those 
the possibility of profiting off of your name, image, likeness, the availability of the jersey number zero. Previously, it was it yeah. was it was unavailable. The reasoning for it is because of how many folks like having the single digit number. And as of right now, you could have one through nine, but you couldn't have zero. And one of the best things I saw on it on Twitter, I can't remember who was saying it, but think about someone who's a corner. They yeah. want they want that number zero to represent how many catches you're about to get. Yeah, those, those types of different things that you could have. It's another jersey number, and if the NIL stuff goes through, that's another thing that can be sold. Yes, you can you can get that uh, you can get that name on the back of the jersey instead of having to dance around it like, oh yeah, no, we're just. We're just, you know, coincidentally selling the number 22 while Rex Burkhead's <laughs> really popular here in Nebraska. It's just a coincidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's that's definitely one. A you lot can, more serious rule changes, though, as well. That one's more related to the, the fun stuff, like yeah. assigning the, the number zero to your, your stud running back yeah. in NCAA football video I do, games. I do like the, the rule change on ejections, though. Yeah, I think I think that's a good one. Yeah, so that one um, allowing players ejected for targeting and disqualified from the game to remain on the sidelines with their teammates instead of being immediately banished to the locker room by themselves. Yeah, I, I mean, we maybe could also relook at the reason why kids are getting you know kicked out. There's still not a you know subjective. They don't even give the refs an option to say, okay, there's not intent here. Mm-hmm. Maybe we could revisit that, but at least this is a step in the right direction where you're not banishing this kid all all alone into into the locker room. I think last year someone had said, and I can't remember if it was one of the, the national analysts, but it was something along the lines of there needs to be a – the same way in, bas- in, in the NBA there's the flagrant one and the flagrant two. There needs to be kind of targeting one and targeting two. So targeting one being, okay – you had helmet-to-helmet contact or something along those lines, but it was incidental. Mm-hmm. A lot of times you'll see running backs lower their head, quarterbacks lower their head. Because they know uh, they're going to get hit. Yeah. Um, you, you'll see some of those that are just like, you know what? He's running full speed. There was no way to avoid that. Yeah. You call targeting. You get them the 15 yards and the automatic first down, but you're not going to eject someone for something that's kind of incidental. Then you get targeting two, which would be, yeah, he came in with intent. 15 yards, automatic first down, and he's ejected. ejected. Yeah. So there there needs to be that. I know, I'm sure at some point they'll get to those conversations, but right now, yeah, you get the targeting, you get ejected, but now you don't have to go to the locker room, which yeah. I th- I think is great because you're you're it's almost like an over-punishing. What's he going to do in the locker room? Let him stand on the sideline. Can I give you my favorite? Yes. So we all know that replay is occasionally oh, yeah. the bane of our existence watching football or watching any sport now, um, except tennis. Tennis does it right. Um, they have a computer system that just, oh, and it's let, let me challenge that. And it's it like just shows seconds. up animated and it's like, you know what? The corner of the ball yeah. hit one one thousandth of a millimeter. Yep. It's in. So the change for college football starting this season, implementing a two minute time limit. For officials to make decisions when using instant replay to speed up the game, um, great move. Uh, there's still probably more replay than most folks would like. I think there's maybe, and maybe this happens now, and it's just not as good of a system. But you should have somebody up top looking at a play. If they see a replay and it's clearly not needing to be overturned, 
then just move on with your life. Mm-hmm. You don't need to do anything with it. So often those are buzzed down, even though everybody at home has already seen like three replays from three different angles that are clearly definitive that there's no reason to replay it. Mm-hmm. Um, this at least gets you going again in the right direction. It's a two minute limit. You're not going to have a five minute delay while you're trying to parse through a meaningless first down in a game that's 14 points with a minute and a half to go. Like we'll just get on with it. And and this this is this is a great move. I'm very happy that there's at least a time limit now on these replays. I'm thinking the replay system, both for college football as well as the NFL, needs to continue to take cues from what the XFL did in their in its short life. Where everything was in com- was completely transparent, yeah. you had the replay operator right there going through everything, and you could see them doing a replay between plays and whether or not to decide, hey, I'm going to need to take a, like another couple looks at this. Go ahead and stop play. Yeah. So that 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 right there that saved a lot of time the way the XFL did it, and I think we're going to see even though the XFL only played about five weeks, the way the ABA changed the NBA. All-star game, three-point line, um, the high-flying dunks, the way all of those crossed over, I think even though it was short-lived, some of the things we saw from the XFL are going to start to bleed over to the NFL and college football. Too bad they couldn't get the ball from the ABA to to trickle over. Oh, that would have been awesome. Yeah. You know, whatever. You can only do so much. There's still time. Yeah. So there's a couple other rules changes. Uh, One is targeted at, no pun intended, um, targeted at trying to limit the amount of fights that occur before the games, like during the pregame. Mm-hmm. Um, starting game officials' jurisdiction uh, will begin at 90 minutes before kickoff now instead of 60 minutes. Um, that also uh, the, There's also a rule change that requires that coaches have to be on the field during pregame warm-ups whether, uh, whenever players are present. So I think a big reason for that, and was it was it like it wasn't Duke Miami, but there, I know there was wasn't someone. Wasn't there Michigan Ohio State? I think so, but there was there was teams that basically got in a big fight before the game, but it was like it was only seventy minutes before the game or sixty five yeah. minutes. So you it was were, in this window yeah, sixty to ninety minutes yeah. before. So you were in that window, and it's like, well, if the officials had been out there, they could have there could have been flags, there could have been ejections before the game even started. They yeah. could have been able to uh, stand rule. at midfield. Yeah, could have been able to rule on all of this, but they couldn't. Because their jurisdiction wasn't there yet. They could have been standing out there watching it happen going, we're not 60 minutes. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's a good move. The only issue then becomes, okay, what if someone gets starts to get into a fight and you're at 100 minutes to game time or 95 minutes to game time? Well, and that's where the, the requirement the, for, if you've got a player on the field, the coaches have to Even if up. it's the specialists. And I think that's the Don't big let part. those punters and kickers get in fights, folks. It is the punters and kickers that a lot of times, those are the ones you see out there without yeah. coaches. Yeah, and those guys, I mean, they all know each other. They're all going to the kicking camps together. <laughs> well, we see, <laughs> and this is always the fun thing to watch at Memorial Stadium when, it, when they're in pregame. The specialists out, are out there doing something. Thing. And then you see, all right, the defense is going to come out, start hitting each other, and the quarter, the uh, offense is going to start throwing routes. And all the specialists that were just out there, they go stand up against the fence and start just like talking to their parents. They're like, all yeah. right, whatever, we we did our kicking, we're good, we're warm. <laughs> um, so you've got the number zero coming back. Uh, you've got players ejected for targeting, able to stay on the sidelines. Uh, two minute time limit for replay. Um, Game officials are uh, are out on duty, so to speak, 90 minutes before kickoff instead of 60, and coaches have to be on the field when any time a player is there. Uh, the last one is uh, you they are capping the amount of duplicate jersey numbers on a roster mm-hmm. to two. 
apparently that I mean you could have had like three or four. I don't know how many. But. I mean, technically, if you if you just had offense, defense, yeah. well, there's already two. And then if you had someone who just played, who was just on kickoff, just on that part of special teams, yeah. you could technically have that one. If someone was on kickoff return, you could technically have another one there. That gets to be kind of a, a lot more jersey numbers than you, or a lot more people wearing that one jersey number than you need. Yeah, my my favorite part of this is uh, it says uh, to lessen confusion for referees and others. I think they mean to say others as national broadcasters who don't know that Jalen Bradley is not on the field making a tackle. That that's actually <laughs> like a safety. Yeah, um, the you know, who wears the same jersey. So yeah, that's that's good. But um, that part that again leads back to. If you limit how many people have a specific jersey number, you have to use more jersey numbers. Yeah. That's more product down the line, name, image, and likeness. Mm, it all comes together. <laughs> Caleb's got it all figured out. Um, yeah, so that those are, those are some rules changes for college football. Uh, we hope that we can all be in the stadium to see them. Oh, very um, much so. A big rule change that did not go through oh, yeah. um, NCAA Division One Council decided not to take it up so it won't get voted on, one-time transfer waiver. That will not go into effect this year. They will uh, re-look at it January of 2021. So when we look at Nebraska basketball, you've got a couple guys that are transferring in. They'll have to look for waivers. You have to request it. Yeah, Yeah, they'll have to request waivers as opposed to automatically getting that one time. Yeah, the the big one would be Trey McGowan's. Um, Kobe King, you might also get a waiver waiver request um, in there, but both of those guys uh, would be uh, certainly candidates for uh, the one-time waivers. All right, we got a lot more to get to. We're going to run down a little bit of what spring game 2020 looked like Woo! Um, in video game form. Why would um, Bobby Newcomb shush his own crowd? Exactly. He's, he's on the, he's on the <laughs> wrong side of uh, the, the crowd there. Um, you've got Nebraska in-state recruiting news, high school athletes um, committing elsewhere, getting offers elsewhere, um, getting offers here maybe soon. Uh, and then you've also got, uh, as Caleb mentioned in the first segment, uh, how are we going to get back to sports uh, there's some things that kind of trickle through the news every week. We'll get you caught up on that. A uh, lot more to get to here. Stick with us. This is the KLI and Husker Hour. Your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers is right here. You're listening to the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1400 KLIN. KLIN Husker Hour. Always here with you, even through the pandemic on a Saturday morning. A lot to get to yet, and um, I wanted to hit on this uh, before we dug into uh, before we dug into the spring game stuff. NFL draft weekend. I know you touched mm-hmm. on that right off the bat um, as I was uh, late with my uh, running water heater in the basement. the The guys yet to go for Nebraska has no no picks off the board. The first three mm-hmm. rounds for the Huskers, and really the only one we thought that may, could have slid into that third round was Lamar Jackson, right? Well, and 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 oh, I'm gonna mess this up. Which one is it, Carlos or Khalil? Khalil, had, yeah, Khalil. Khalil was thought to maybe be higher up on some boards than than Lamar Jackson actually mm-hmm. after his um, his pro day and and combine stuff. Either way, either of those two guys, I think, would be the first off the board. Um, Khalil Davis or Lamar Jackson. Carlos and, and then Darian Daniels as well. Those two guys may be on the fence. Maybe they get picked late. Maybe they go undrafted free agent route. 
those are those are the four names to watch today as rounds four through seven go, uh, and the draft finishes up. It begins at what eleven uh, this morning. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And look, it's uh, it's it's. I've said this. I don't know how. I'm, this is my fifth year doing this show. Uh, it's going to be nice when you see Nebraska kids go in the first three rounds again, as opposed to seeing Nebraska in the highlight reels of other guys who go in the first three rounds. Oh, yeah, the Jonathan Taylor. The Jonathan Taylor was like every other highlight was him running through Nebraska guys. I don't. And in the Jeffrey Okuda, he went third overall. I don't think we saw his butt interception. No, in any of his highlight we didn't. reels. If you recall, he caught an interception while seated on the on the field there in north in the the north uh, close to the north end zone of Memorial Stadium. Uh, so yeah, that's that's something to watch for in terms of the NFL draft. Um, Nebraska will probably get that streak restarted uh, as last year they went over uh, in the draft. All right, back to current day Nebraska football. And current day means we're in the middle of a pandemic, and you play the spring game virtually in a video game with and the greatest. No one Huskers else ever. has no one else has done this. This yeah. is the thing that I find absolutely insane because you had at peak viewing last Saturday, peak viewing between uh, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and I know there were folks going through Huskers.com as well. Twenty five thousand watching at one time. Yeah, there were more than two hundred eighty one thousand unique viewers. That means. I mean, yes, you could have been on your computer and your phone, and that counts as two different viewers, but that's a lot of folks still to add up to over 281,000. And that reach, meaning it at least went past someone's timeline on Facebook or Twitter, or they got a Twitch notification, more than 1.2 million. Yeah. And they sold it. You had Greg and Matt reading live reads, just like they do on the broadcasts. You know, this is brought to you by First Net, you know, whatever it is. Um, Yeah, you would think that even if it would have been a blatant, hey, Obviously, Nebraska did this first. Look, we've seen that all before. Nebraska did the weightlifting thing first. It, no, no other schools were too proud to figure that out, and mm-hmm. now everybody does it. Nebraska, I don't know that they did it first, but the first one that got really, really big attention nationwide in terms of having a uh, you know, kind of a make-a-wish type situation uh, when you had Jack Hoffman mm-hmm. run for a touchdown in the spring game. Spring games for the next two, three years. I know Cincinnati did one. Ohio State did one. Uh, you had schools across the country. Um, Kansas did it with a, a World War II vet yep. who who had, who had been a former Kansas player. Yeah, like you, you saw spring games become a place not just to have a practice in front of the fans. Yep. It became a place to say, here's an outreach thing we're doing. What other feel-good thing can we do? Yeah. It's not, you don't have to, you know, it, obviously it's it's something Nebraska did first, and you don't need to be ashamed to say or admit that. But, I mean, geez, why couldn't these other big athletic departments who have a ton of money and nothing else to do really now, like Ohio State, Michigan, Alabama, Clemson, Florida State, Texas A&M, all of these schools could do the exact same thing. Hey, you've got kids young enough on your on your support staffs who can edit your NCAA mm-hmm. football roster on Xbox or PS3. You guys can make this happen. Yep. Probably not to the extent that Nebraska did because Nebraska is really good at this stuff and and just the fan base is more receptive to it. But there's obviously something you could have done there. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. That's that's kind of strange that nobody else has done anything similar to it uh, in this limited time we have where there's nothing else you can do. Um, in terms of the game itself, I mean, 15-minute quarters, I mentioned this earlier, for a video game like that is the game, ridiculous. It took, it took two hours. Yeah, it did. Um, it, when you had the very, you had the start, you had um, 
you obviously had the Husker Power chant yep. going. Yep. Um, you you go through. You had the national anthem. Stephen Warren, I thought. Yeah, Steve Warren did that. What a cool. national anthem that was. Yeah. That that was that was fantastic. You you had um, Hail Varsity being played. You had the Tunnel Walk. Was that the two thousand one Tunnel Walk? Um, I honestly I don't remember the 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 sower raising the roof. Oh, it, it, yeah, it was the early two thousands, <laughs> yeah. late night. Yeah, one of those. Um, definitely. But you had all of that even in that five minute window before you got to yes. the the simulation taking over. Yeah, the the band was in like Zoom, right? You had like yeah. fifteen different windows where you had everybody playing a different instrument. That was pretty cool. I, I was. Like and I I tweeted this out as well and I know the 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 people I was watching with I don't I was like guys I I've got a, a confession I teared up like I started crying <laughs> just in that five minute window because hearing all of that happen hearing tunnel walk and then hail varsity and then a national anthem and going all right let's play football and you have Greg Sharp and Matt Davison talking that's the most normal I felt in over a month just sitting there going all right it's a Saturday it's Saturday football it's it's the spring game yeah but. I mean, you're going through and you have all those different guys play. You had your Sams come out and get their punts in right away, which by the way, if I'm controlling a video game, the punter doesn't see the field. I, I don't <laughs> care if I don't care if it's 4th and 20 and I'm on my own 15. The punter doesn't see the field. You've got to play you've got to play in the playbook for that. Um yeah, one of the cool things that uh that I liked was the way that you had um you had an old and a new player, you know, different generations of players. Um, this this is stuff stuff like you can you can do it in you know a, a, a cool marketing campaign like the NFL did that thing where they had players of all generations like in a big you know it was it was basically like a throw, playing catch in the middle of a uh, like a really fancy dinner mm-hmm. they had that uh, for NFL 100 oh yeah the NFL 100 ads though yeah so you had players from all different generations involved in that like you have Barry Sanders making. Uh, making Brian Erlacher miss. You had, uh, you know, Jerry Rice going up against Darrell Revis. You know, like these these matchups that you can only create in your head. Like, and here we had Eric Crouch saying, "Gosh, my arms are big." Well, yeah, <laughs> nice little low key flex for the Heisman Trophy. And you winner, had but, Nate Gary telling receivers not to come across the middle. But you have you have Indomitian Sue going up against Dominic Riola. Well, first of all, who was Sue? Sue was teamed up with Rich Glover. Yes. Like the Sue well, before Sue. Okay, the, that that's a matchup. You look at that and go, "All right, nothing against Jared Crick who lined up with Sue, but yeah, all right, yeah, <laughs> yeah." And I mean, Mike Rozier getting getting the handoffs from uh, Tommy Frazier. Those Amon two never Green played together. Amon Green running over Barrett Rude into the end zone. Yeah, I mean that's <laughs> that's great. All right, this is stuff that you can only make up in your head or put on a video game. And Nebraska put it on a video game, and it was awesome. Look, this is probably more skewed to our generation than some of the folks who are, you know, who've been around a little bit longer, a little more seasoned. Um, but look, you don't have anything else. This was very fun. My favorite part, and I say this with my f- tongue firmly in my cheek, my favorite part was the fact that Matt Davison could, could not have wanted to be anywhere <laughs> other than right there at that moment. Um, I, I'm pretty sure he could, he could have thought about 15 different golf courses he'd have rather seen. Um, no, it, it was, it was pretty cool, pr- pretty cool for them to do that. Um, Greg and Matt, they did a interview with Parker Gabriel in the journal star about what it's like to call a fake video game football game because mm-hmm. you can't have, you can't call the real one. And Greg, um, Greg came on LNK today on Thursday and he, he yeah. talked about how 
they when when him and Matt talked about it, it was how do we do this? It, it's it's obviously it's a fake video game. You've got a bunch of different names. Um, they actually recorded it on the Thursday before. Yeah. So think about it. The white team had just come out that morning. They had like they were on like two hours. Some of the names had changed, so they had to come up with all of that right away. Mm-hmm. Um, but where do you find that balance between calling the play by play and stuff and saying, well, I think they're going to have to do this here and keeping it with the honesty that it is a video game, making some of those jokes, Davison talking about everyone's golf game, um, saying that, well, the sideline, they're doing good social distancing over there because you remember the old NCAA football games. Everyone just stood, and they were just spaced apart to make the sideline look full. Yeah. I, I thought they did, a, they did a great job for that, knowing that that's pr- not something they've ever done, whereas you and I growing up, a lot of our first times ever like practicing or thinking we could do play-by-play were while a video game was happening or we were watching games on TV. And I know that growing up, for for Greg and a lot of really good sportscasters and play-by-play guys, it was watching on TV and just calling those games to themselves. Well, for us, it was the video games. Yeah, and I will I will echo that absolutely. There's the one game that you got to call in sports broadcasting at UNL. You got to call one football game. And I had the Nebraska-Oklahoma game in 2005, and I, I made sure all the rosters were accurate. I played that on NCAA like three or four times on PS2 in college, and I nailed the worst name on either roster. The guy got an interception. He got a pick six right before the half off of Zach Taylor. His name was Chijoke Onyanagicha. All right. And I nailed it. <laughs> so... Hey, NCAA, hats off to you because that was that was definitely. I remember my roommates in college. Why. We we would play uh, NBA uh, NBA games on PS. I was pretty sure it was like NBA Live 2006 or something. Yeah, yeah. While we would play a tournament, and if I wasn't playing, they would turn the volume down and let me practice. Mm-hmm. Just practice doing play by play for it. Yeah, you gotta you you find some way to get reps. Gotta gotta figure it out <laughs> some way, one way or another. A lot more to get to. We've got. More about how sports will get back. Um, what's the plan? Who's in charge of those plans? Um, what what places around the country are doing already? What plans they're putting in place now this far out from the fall? Um, and then local recruiting news to get to as well. Um, that's Caleb. I'm Cole. And this is the K-Lion Husker Hour. Back after this. Giving you an inside look at everything Huskers. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1400 KLIN. Thanks for joining us here, as always, on your Saturday morning. This is the KLIN Husker Hour. Cole Stukenholtz, that's Caleb Henry. Some in-state Nebraska players, um, the in-state high schoolers, uh, getting some run. Um, start with the not so good news for the Huskers. Avante Dickerson, cornerback mm-hmm. from West Side, uh, he chose Minnesota after a virtual tour yep. visit type of thing. Yep, Huskers were after him. Um, definitely wanted him in. That's a, that's um, an and, uh, early decision he made there. Yeah, like there's yeah. there's a lot of time left. Yeah, you usually would uh, would would see those you know those those commitments come maybe in the summer. Um, maybe right before football season in the fall or during the fall. Um, usually it's a quarterbacks um, that or makes the early decisions, these early ones. But yeah, Vontae Dickerson headed to uh, Minnesota. So hey, good for him. Um, he has a Division One offer. He's going to go play there. Husker fans probably wanted him uh, to stick around, but uh, it is what it is. Um, one closer to home for me, Bellevue West, state champs. 
they uh, they are uh, just racking up uh, Division One players. Uh, you you know that uh, Jalen Bradley is at Nebraska now. Uh, Xavier Betts is arriving soon as uh, a big bodied wideout on the outside. Uh, Micah Riley is a 2022 tight end. Uh, Nebraska offered him back mm-hmm. in February. Uh, he also had an offer from K State, Arizona State. Uh, just within the last few days, picked up offers from Penn State, Missouri, and Michigan as well. Um, so his profile is starting to blow up. Um, Micah Riley, uh, again, 2022. So he's going to be a junior in high school this year. He's 6'5, 210. Um, Bellevue West has a very potent offense, and, and he's part of that reason why, um, along with you know running backs and, and receivers that they've had come out. Um, you have Cluster Johnson's boys who have been there. Uh, one of them is over at Wyoming. You have another one up at South Dakota State, I believe. And then Keegan is the latest one. He's uh, definitely high on Nebraska's list um, as an athlete as well. Um, so some of those, some of those local, uh, the local news, um, TJ Bowlers is still high on. I think we talked about when he narrowed down his top six a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so just wanted to hit on that as well. Um, and then earlier in the show, I know you touched on the fact that the Huskers now have another scholarship open on the basketball team. Yeah, so first, Charlie Easley, who is the, the walk-on from, from Pius, he's transferring to South Dakota State and has a scholarship opportunity there. I think that's a great scenario for him to, to go into. I believe they went like 22-10 and 10 or 20-12. and 12. I forget which one had the two on it, the wins or the losses. Yeah. Uh, but South Dakota State, that's a good program to go up to. Kevin Cross announced earlier this week he's entering entering the transfer portal. I think he might actually have an offer um, already from someone. But that now means there are two scholarships open for Coach Hoiberg. And we look at the volleyball side of things. A uh, redshirt freshman from Johnson Brock, uh, 6'2 middle, blocker uh Fallon Studite she's transferring to UNK mm-hmm. which I think that's a I mean if you're going to go to a program um at the division 2 level UNK is probably the one to go to yeah. uh, that's a, that's a regional and national power so um a few different moves there for Nebraska sports um I liked Kevin Cross I I do know it was going to be competitive for getting playing time this next year though yeah. uh playing kind of a little bit more of a wing and he was forced to play in the big spot just because of depth this last year. Yeah and he he's a guy that stuck out to me just because you see this sometimes in the off season it seemed like he transformed his body during, during the, the season. season like just shedded pounds he was quicker um he he just he got into a Division One program with the training table, with the the workout regimen, uh, and you could see that he was just taken off. He didn't have that type of infrastructure uh, back in high school. So, and he had twenty three and nine in the conference tournament game against Indiana. Yeah, that's right. Um, so, so Cross is gone. Uh, you really just have, as far as returners, you've got Thor, um, Ivan Udrogo, and a collar rope. A collar rope. Um, that's it. And. <laughs> A lot of newcomers, uh, a lot of guys who, uh, you know, the three sit-out guys and then um, the five newcomers, most of whom will be able to play uh, this season. All right, let's, uh, let's take our last break now. We will, uh, uh, we're going to get to what we were talking about as far as uh, some of the things that can be done now uh, to kind of prepare for the fall, what some places are doing. Um, some things kind of raise your eyebrows. Some things seem more obvious. Uh, we're going to run down a little bit of that when we come back, including uh, the guy from UNMC who's leading the Big Ten uh, as far as their task force to figure out just how do we get sports going again. Uh, more on that when we come back here on the KLIN Husker Hour. 
giving you a complete review of the Huskers news this week. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1400 KLIN. Thanks for joining us here on the KLIN Husker Hour. KLIN Sports Director Caleb Henry over there. KLIN Special Correspondent Cole Stukenholtz right here. And um, one of the things that we um, are going to finish up with here is how we get back to sports, what the the decision makers, the powers that be are doing now in terms of planning ahead for the fall. And we have, obviously, close to home, um, Nebraska is part of the Big Ten. The Big Ten announced their task force. And just up the road at UNMC, um, Chris Craddaville is a doctor there, and he's the guy leading this task force. Mm-hmm. So he, he's leading the task force, and actually they put this task force together the week before um, all the sports shut down. To hear, We don't have enough time to go through everything, but um, we're going to play two of the, the biggest clips I liked. If you want to hear more, go to uh, KLIN.com, Road to Recovery, listen to yesterday's episode. Uh, but I asked Dr. Craddaville on how you kind of organize the conference and make decisions when you stretch from the Great Plains all the way to the East Coast. If you look at the Big Ten, that's 11 states just in this one conference. And as we look at Rutgers, for example, I mean, they were early on with uh, the outbreak hitting the U.S. and obviously getting hit quite hard. They're starting to calm down a bit there as we're ramping up in Nebraska. So you're exactly right. One of the challenges is going to be, I mean, conference play alone at 11 different states. Uh, You know, what do you do if there's an outbreak in just one of those states? Uh, So it's going to be something that's required a lot of logistics, a lot of discussions, and certainly that'll be informed by a lot of learnings the more we we better understand how the virus is spread, how we can uh, easily detect it, um, identify those that might be ill, that might have exposures, and then how does that impact really who plays, who practices, things like that. So a lot to be learned and certainly a lot of discussions uh, on the horizon. And, and Dr. Craddaville goes into communicating with other conferences, the NCAA effect and future changes, as well as how they're following pro sports and the way a lot of their decisions and what they're looking at trickles down to the schools. But I asked him at the very end, what's the message to everyone who has that itch to get their sports and their normal lives back? Yeah, you know, I think right now it's really being vigilant with those uh, core public health uh, guidances that we keep hearing about. You know, the governor is uh, frequently on the radio, as are the public health people and, uh, you know, uh, uh, newscasters and and everyone, I think, is, you know, you're hearing this message of good hand washing and good social distancing and not having large groups and all those kind of things really do play an incredibly important role in in controlling the spread. Uh, And they're going to play a big role in, you know, keeping it down once it happens. So, you know, it's going to be the new normal for a while, and we just need to continue to be vigilant with those things and practice those good public health techniques, and hopefully we'll all get uh, get our sports back sooner rather than later. Sooner rather than later sounds good. Uh, again, that full interview at KLIN.com, Road to Recovery for uh, 424. That would be yesterday, April 24th. Yeah, it should be noted uh, Nebraska President Ted Carter just came out uh, yesterday uh, and announced that Nebraska is intending to have in-person classes for the fall. And that that's a big benchmark for the return of sports because yep. there's a lot of ADs and presidents that have said can't have the student-athletes competing against each other if it's not safe enough to have students on campus. Yeah, that was that was definitely the big thing. 
Uh, one of the things that kind of flies in the face of that is Cal State Fullerton, who doesn't have a football team, but they, they play basketball and baseball um, in the Big West Conference. Uh, they have 40,000 students. Uh, they said online classes only in the fall semester uh, until they determine it's safe to bring students back to campus. They're already planning on online only, mm-hmm. um, and that's still a long ways out. Um, one of the things it, that hits closer to home in football, Boise State um, has announced that they are furloughing anybody who makes more than $40,000 a year, which, which means includes the, the entire coaching staff of the football team, obviously other sports too. Um, but that is an interesting step to take, and I don't know if you're going to see some more of that across other colleges and universities across the country. Still a lot to figure out as this all develops, but we're going to be here every Saturday to give you a recap of the week, everything we've learned, as well as, hey, maybe what else is going to happen. Like tomorrow night, we get parts three and four, The Last Dance, which this is that music for us. That's right. Yeah, this is this is, takes us right into more of The Last Dance for, uh, for MJ <laughs> and crew. Um, Good luck to all the Huskers who are hoping to hear their names called today to the NFL draft. Maybe get a call afterwards as an undrafted free agent. Good luck. Take advantage of your opportunity. Go Big Red.